What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul, and I'm here with my boy, PD. PD, say what's up. What's up? And we're back with another one of our QB Room episodes. Uh, Today, we'll be going into the Vikings, and we're starting to get to the juicy parts. This is the first episode we're going to have where we spend an entire episode talking about a single QB Room, because we're getting to that tier of quarterbacks where... They deserve their own episode because they're ranked in our top 12 or so of quarterbacks in the league. So these are going to be the good ones. If you guys haven't seen any of them already, check out our previous episodes. We've gone through every QB room from the one we had the 32nd ranked to whatever it would be 13th ranked uh, up till this point, doing a couple per episode. So go check that out if you haven't already. Uh, and without with, without being said, I think we just got to get right into the Vikings QB room with Kirk Cousins in this game. Yeah, the reason that we're going to be doing one quarterback room per episode from now on is because um, it's very easy to see most of these guys making a Pro Bowl, um, yeah. as well as being Pro Bowl worthy players. Like their 60th percentile outcome maybe is a Pro Bowler. So um, that's the case for every quarterback from now on. That's the secret sauce or whatever it goes into it. Um, but yeah. Let's start by talking about uh, Kirk Cousins in this Minnesota Vikings quarterback room. So Kirk Cousins has had a very long career of being a very good player. Um, From the first moment that he entered the league, he's been exceptionally accurate. Um, As he's gotten closer and closer to this current point, uh, he's progressed through his career. He's become more and more aggressive and better with timing of plays. And he's able to play more through contact um, in recent years. Um, He's also extraordinarily healthy, um, something that we do want to take into account with this stuff. Um, And Cousins is just kind of a model of consistency uh, in a season-over-season basis. Um, Maybe not so much game-to-game because um, his game does rely a lot on accuracy, on difficult throws to swing it from just an okay game to a great game. But um, yeah, I, I think that He's been consistently good for a very long time, and um, he's one of the more interesting quarterbacks to to follow in terms of narrative for me because um, I've consistently thought of him as a really good player, um, and people just seem to not want really good at this point. Yeah, I think, and I agree a lot with what you said about Kirk Cousins' positives there. And I think the reason people tend to not like Kirk Cousins, and we're going to get into it with his season last year, is just his inability to perform in big games. And I'll admit, I think that whole narrative is a little bit overblown for Kirk Cousins. However, it has had multiple times. It will happen in this uh, current season as well that we're going to talk about, where Kirk will have incredible games throughout the year and he will just lay an egg in that one game that everyone's watching in prime time. And in people's heads, it just automatically becomes, oh, Kirk Cousins just can't perform. But in general, if you look at his seasons overall, he has been relatively consistent. He only has a couple of those dud games throughout the year. It does happen to be on the biggest stage most of the time, which is why this kind of narrative has formed which is, one, a little unfortunate for him, but also partly to do with probably the fact that those are his biggest games that he's got to play. A lot of those games are against his toughest opponents. A lot of those games are where the most eyes are watching. So 
that that is there is a reason to why that keeps happening. But I do agree with what most of what you said about his game. I think ever since he's been in the league, he's been one of the most consistent quarterbacks in the league by far. I think it's kind of wild how consistent he's been because if you look at his days in Washington and even now in Minnesota, there hasn't been much of a decline nor an uh, incline. He's kind of been consistently in that 10 to 15 range in terms of quarterbacks for me uh, in years prior. And we'll get into his ranking later in the episode currently, obviously. Uh, but yeah, he's all, all, always been very accurate. He supplied a lot of great receivers at this point in the Minnesota so very, very solid quarterback, and we'll get into his last season where he did have a lot of games where he showed that. Yeah, um, talking a little bit more, um, since we're going to have some a little bit more time because this is just one quarterback room, um, I think that the biggest thing for him when it comes to playing on the big stage is that there's going to be a higher likelihood of playing um, stronger defenses, and Kirk's archetype is very much ceiling raising, right? I think we can both agree on that. Um, yeah. When when you think of how to build a team around Kirk Cousins, you want to put him on a great offense to make that great offense better. Um, and you don't want to, quote-unquote, carry the team like you would, like a Josh Allen or something like that. Um, right. And when he goes up against uh, tougher defenses, um, specifically ones that can consistently generate interior pressure, um, he can be rushed or start taking sacks and start making bad decisions. Um, with one of his biggest weaknesses being um, he lacks quick feet. Um, this shows up even on like his, his drop back patterns. He's, he's kind of not the fastest to get all the way to the top of his drop. Um, and he's especially not that fast at uh, evading guys uh, or making dudes miss um, in the pocket. And then beyond that, um, he's also got not the strongest arm and is not a very good scrambler. So he has none of the quote unquote traits that you want to see for um, what, what, what you describe as athletic. And that can kind of show up when, there's many superior athletes to him on the field. Um, and you probably want to, quote-unquote, protect him by putting him on a team that's better. Um, but as you know, I, ha- I have a thing for that type of quarterbacks because I think that you build um, great teams through championship offenses and um, putting a guy with great ability to fit into a great offense, um, that's kind of what I want. Um, so let me know if you disagree with anything there. Otherwise, we can move into uh, his games this year. Well, there isn't much I disagree on because I do primarily agree that obviously Kirk is a ceiling raiser and the best way to build an offense around a guy like him is to put a great talent around him, like you said. But I think for me, uh, the reason I'm not as high as those types of quarterbacks as I guess someone like you would be and where we disagree on is I think because you have to build this sort of offense around a Kirk Cousins and you can't rely on him to just do his thing with anybody. It limits what you can do as an offense as a whole. It costs a lot more because you're going to have to keep retaining high-level talent in which when you have an elite-level quarterback, you see all the time with the best quarterbacks in the league, they'll either retain one elite weapon or really just bring in a bunch of guys who fit in schematically, but you don't necessarily need high-level playmakers around them all the time to have a high-level offense. I think the barrier to have an elite-level offense is higher when you have a guy like Kirk Cousins. It makes it more difficult to make that sort of elite contending offense, and I think that's why we don't see a lot of quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins or that caliber win championships as often because – 
it takes a lot to win that with that sort of team. I mean, coming from a Niners fan, for years now, the better part of a decade when we've had good teams, we've always had a ton of talent, one of the best rosters in the league. But ultimately, we've never had the quarterback play to support that best roster in the league. And their letdowns in the playoffs, not only the Niners quarterbacks, but Kirk Cousins as well, is ultimately what causes their team's demise year in, year out. So that's why I just am not as high as Kirk Cousins or, or Kirk Cousin type quarterbacks as you may be. That's the only part I disagree on. Yeah, yeah. so the cost was the big thing that you mentioned there. With mm-hmm. I think there's an association with how his contract is structured versus his actual play, um, which... I, I don't know if you if you agree if that's fair or not, but I think that that is the thing where people associate him being quote unquote overpaid with him being um, not that good. Um, that, that's right. that's kind of a thing that I observe. Um, and yeah, um, it does make sense that when you um, retain just one weapon or, or something of that sort, um, like we were talking about. Um, but what what I do want to say is that you're never going to win a Super Bowl by only having one guy. Um, that goes for just having the quarterback only or um, just having one receiver to rely on. And and that's kind of uh, my thought process is if the goal has to be to winning to win Super Bowls versus just being a good team year in, year out, um, I would rather have Kirk Cousins than someone like um, – actually, I don't want to name names, but like you you, you, you can tell by the guy. Yeah, I, I think I know what you mean, and I think, you know, listeners will know that there's a, cl- a clear type of quarterback that Kirk Cousins is that we see a lot of, and there's a completely other type of quarterback that the isn't Kirk Cousins, which you're probably referencing here. But to me, it's like you say you need more than one guy on like a contending team, anyways. But if you do look a lot, a lot of like recent championship teams, if you look like a team like Kansas City, obviously. Mahomes is an anomaly, but as an elite weapon, you really only had Travis Kelsey. The Rams team the year prior as an elite weapon offensively, they only really had Cooper Cup. Uh, even the Tampa team before, you could argue like maybe, I wouldn't say Godwin was elite that year. It was really just Mike Evans. I feel like as you go through history with Super Bowl winners, you often don't have, or you don't need multiple guys if you have that elite level quarterback. It's more if you have a guy like Kirk Cousins, you need multiple weapons around him to create this incredible offense. But with certain quarterbacks, you don't have to do that. And that's been the most effective method because like we just talked about with the cost, you know, that money goes elsewhere with defense and whatnot, creates a better roster. All right, so enough waffling about that for now. So let's move on to his actual games this year. Um, and come back to how we think he'll play this year with a different situation at the end. Um, so let's start off with week one at home against Green Bay. Um, Kirk was really good in this game, was exceptionally accurate, made a couple of fantastic throws. Um, Justin Jefferson was all over the place in this one. And the thing that stood out to me was that he was actually under pressure for a decent number of dropbacks and just totally uh, avoided it for the most part only ended up taking one sack despite holding the ball for a decent amount um had a fantastic throw where he stepped up um under pressure and lot lofted it beautifully with um some great touch to justin jefferson for an explosive play um and kind of for the rest of the game was very good on short um, and intermediate passes so yeah very impressed with this one very good game overall 
Yeah, I'd have to agree. Very, very impressive performance from Kirk. And this was a big game for him as well, I'd say, even though it wasn't like necessarily a primetime game or whatnot. I think coming into this season, many people thought that the Packers would kind of continue with where they had left off in years prior for the most part. Obviously, losing Devontae Adams was huge and a lot of pieces that offseason. But I think for the most part, people still thought the Packers were going to run this division and the Vikings came out and were able to have like a little statement win, show that this was going to be their division for this season to come. And a big part of that was Kirk Cousins. I thought he was incredibly accurate in this one against the somewhat stingy Packers secondary. I feel like he was throwing the ball on the money, fitting it in tight windows all over the place. And he was attacking all facets of the field, whether it was short, medium, deep, with the connections to Justin Jefferson. He was kind of all over the place. And like you said, Justin Jefferson made his job in much, much easier in this one because he was open all day long. He had an incredible performance, and Kirk did a great job of just delivering him the ball in space, doing what he needed to do. He didn't make any mistakes the entire game. Uh, I all honestly felt like he wasn't under pressure as much as you thought. I thought he did a great job of dealing with that. We, ta- we talked about in the intro how he kind of struggles a little bit uh, with uh, pass rushes t- from time to time because he doesn't have the best footwork, maybe not the best mobility. But I think one thing that does separate him from other quarterbacks is pocket awareness. And I feel like we saw that a lot in this game. Packers obviously knowing who Kirk Cousins is. I feel like they threw a lot of looks at him and he did a good job of still sticking to his game, not really letting that screw up his mechanics and deliver a great performance. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next one where um, this whole narrative thing that we were, we've been talking about um, that does come to fruition where mm-hmm. Kirk turns in a pretty, pretty solidly bad performance. Um, I don't think it was quite one of the worst performances of the year by this upper group of quarterbacks that we're only having um, one quarterback room per episode for, but um, I, I still would say it's solidly below average. And and the reason I, I can't go that far with it being very bad is because there are a few critical drops, especially one by Irv Smith Jr. down the left sideline um, where Kirk throws a really beautiful deep ball. Um, he just drops it, um, and that's going to hurt his box score a decent amount. It would have probably been a walk-in touchdown. Um, but beyond that, Kirk put the ball in harm's way four times in this one, was heavily under pressure and was very flustered. Um, generally for the whole game. And yeah, like tough matchup versus the Eagles, but uh, I still would have expected a quarterback of his caliber to play a little bit better. Yeah, I think I was even more harsh on this performance for you for multiple reasons. Because one, yeah, the Eagles were a dominant team this year, but the Vikings were the three seed in this conference this year. They weren't and slouches either. I feel like these were two competitive teams, and I think most people came into this matchup thinking it would be a competitive game as well. It wasn't necessarily like the Eagles were massive favorites. They were only a couple point favorites, I believe. And I think this once again ties into the whole big game narrative that PD mentioned as well again. This was probably one of his biggest games of the season, especially early on. A game where he really needed to show up and kind of have a statement for the Vikings that they could at least compete with the top teams in the NFC because that's what they want. And later down the line, we'll see that in other situations where this has come up, they've struggled again and they fell short. And I think a big part to do, uh, big part of that is Kirk Cousins' struggles. I feel like 
For one, he looked a lot more flustered and inaccurate in this one. In the previous game, I just talked about how the Packers threw him a lot of looks, and he was pretty comfortable there. Uh, but the Eagles' defense seemed to be a different beast because they were all over the backfield, and Kirk Cousins felt like he was kind of scrambling or under pressure a lot of the game. Uh, he didn't take a crazy amount of sacks, compared, uh, given that was the Eagles' defense, but I still think he was constantly under pressure and could have done a better job of handling that. I also agree that he threw the ball into harm's way like three or four times. And when you make that many mistakes, especially against a team like the Eagles, it's impossible to recover from. And I do agree that that Irv Smith throw was nice. Uh, but aside from that, he didn't really attack deep. And that's kind of the only way to make up for the amount of mistakes he was making. Uh, he kind of, as a Kirk Cousins player or as someone who's watching Kirk Cousins something he likes to do is attack deep and when you see him in a game like this where he's really only going short or intermediate you know he's kind of out of his element and to me this was a very poor performance as a result of that all right moving on to the next one against Detroit um this one another pretty solid performance for me so the accuracy wasn't up to the stuff of the first week but I thought it was like good enough to get by with him being a lot more aggressive than he was the first two weeks, pushing it down the field. Um, has a gorgeous throw uh, on the money for a game-winning touchdown. Even though it's wide open, he hits him in stride. Um, so I'll give him full points for that. Um, was under a decent amount of pressure to me, but did a good job mitigating it um, despite holding onto the ball for a decent amount of time um, rather than what it was the previous week. Um, and yeah, I thought it was generally a good bounce-back performance overall. Yeah, these are the type of games that I feel like is Kirk Cousins' bread and butter almost, like the type of games that you feel like he will always perform in, and he definitely didn't disappoint in this one. And the type of games, I mean, like, this was like a 10 a.m. Sunday game, like your regular run-in-the-mill NFL game against a tough divisional opponent where you know it's going to be close back and forth. And I'd say for pretty much the entirety of the game, Kirk was relatively consistent and did his thing uh, I also agree that his accuracy dropped a bit but it was still at a solid level to where this function uh, this offense was functioning at a high level uh, he went back to his normal self of not really throwing too many balls into harm's way he had zero picks in this one as a result I thought that was pretty good and even though the Lions front seven may not be as good as the previous two teams he had to face I feel like he did a incredible job against the pass rush in this one uh didn't really deal with too much pressure I felt like because of how quick he was getting rid of the ball uh the only thing he maybe could have done better is I feel like a lot of teams took advantage of all the holes the Lions defense has by attacking deep over and over again and I feel like in this one he didn't really get to do that he was really just attacking the middle of the field I feel he didn't do a great job of getting, like, some of his biggest weapons involved as much as he should. Like, Justin Jefferson only has 14 yards this game. I do think he got somewhat locked up by uh, his matchup in that game, but I think Kirk could have done a better job to get it to his playmakers. Uh, that's really my only takeaway from that game, though. Aside from that, still a very good game. He had two pretty impressive drives to end that one and win them this game, including that game-winning touchdown. So pretty above-average performance, in my opinion. All right, moving on to the next one against New Orleans. So this one was looking rough for a bit. Um, he put the ball in harm's way twice, one of them being intercepted, one of them being dropped um, early on in the game. Um, but as the game went on, 
for more and more time. Um, he started getting more and more accurate. And at the end of the game, um, on what was basically a game-winning drive, um, he hits Justin Jefferson with a beautiful tight window throw deep down the left left side. Um, it was probably one of the best throws of the week, honestly. And yeah, that ended up sealing the game. So overall, for me, that ended up as kind of a slightly above average performance. Uh, but I think you might be higher on it than me. Yeah, I think games like this really separate Kirk Cousins from some of the last few guys we talked about uh, in our past few episodes. And this is why we see Kirk Cousins as in that little next tier to some of those guys. Because I feel like a lot of quarterbacks in games like this where they clearly are not at their best, they come out not really firing and making a ton of mistakes. I feel like a lot of quarterbacks would get in their head in that situation, especially in this one. I believe this was a London game, so not really familiar territory. I feel like Kirk almost didn't get up for this game uh, as he could have. And for that reason, he kind of started off slow, but Kirk's always been the type of guy to be very headstrong and confident in his game. And as a result, he's able to come back in this game and still win them this game, still put up a solid average performance overall when you take into account all that he did in the second half and you will see in later in this year he's done that even more in the second half so big props to him for doing that but I still can't ignore the mistakes he was making early in that game uh true pretty poor uh plays to start the game uh, in back-to-back drives to start the game like PD mentioned that really held them back early game and I think the Vikings defense kept them in the game in the first half just to make sure that or just to keep them in that game and then eventually once Kirk gets back to his normal self he was a lot more accurate there were barely any incompletions at in that second half of the game where in the first half there was a lot I feel like he was also under pressure a lot in that first game and he did a much better job of managing that as the game went on I feel like a lot of those three sacks maybe two if not all three happened in that first half so it was huge from him to kind of get settled in in that second half, find his playmaker in like Justin Jefferson. As I said, the previous week, he struggled to do so. And in this week, he was able to kind of find himself again by getting it to Justin Jefferson. Uh, when he finally got settled in, he was attacking all three facets of the field. So a low second half and a good uh, or a low first half and good second half is going to make this a roughly average performance for me but I like the resilience from him. All right, moving on to the next game um, against Chicago. So this one was a little bit of a wild game to watch uh, because the Bears randomly hung around until the end. But uh, Kirk was very, very good in the first half and then went on this really cold stretch for a bit, Uh, put the ball in harm's way for the one interception that he had. Uh, But the rest of the game was pretty clean, if not not aggressive at all. Um, They were throwing very short and... Um, Kirk Cousins can obviously execute that, but you probably want him to utilize his um, great feel on deep passes in terms of what type of throw to make and uh, his touch a little bit more. Um, So a a little bit of value left on the table in that sense, but um, I thought he played a pretty good game based on what was asked of him overall. Yeah, I think what ended up happening here is the Vikings and Kirk Cousins both kind of took a kind of chilled out, I guess you could say, or kind of slowed down in the third quarter because I feel like in the first half, the Vikings and Kirk Cousins were pretty dominant, I'd say. I think no one really thought the Bears had a chance there. And then they kind of hung around in the third quarter, scratched back, and then 
Minnesota decided to end it in that fourth quarter. But I think that's why Kirk kind of dulled out in that second half. But props to him for still coming out, putting one drive together in that fourth quarter to win them this game. Uh, I think he was very accurate in this one. Probably one of his more accurate games of the season so far that we've talked about. Uh, I do think that interception was a problem. It was part of the reason the Bears were able to make a little comeback, and that's going to hurt his overall performance for me. But I think he did a great job of being in the pocket, not really taking too much pressure. He's always very good at that, and this was another example of that. I think he did a great job of attacking all facets of the field once again, once again finding Justin Jefferson deep and getting it to his other playmakers under underneath as well. Uh, overall, above average performance. It could have been even better if he was consistent throughout the game and didn't make that pretty big mistake to slow things, slow things down for his team, but still good enough to get the win. So that's an above average performance for me. All right, moving on to the next one against Miami, and um, this one was another solid game for me. Um, he put the ball in harm's way for one dropped interception, but I think he more than made up for it for with a couple of explosive plays and a number of really impressive throws under pressure. Um, just consistently dicing them up in the intermediate area, um, as well as the short area of the field with a couple of explosive plays next in. Um, I thought that was a good enough formula. Um, to turn in a good performance in general. Um, I, I, it does get dragged down a little bit for me by the three sacks um, where I thought he could have done a better job managing pressure. But uh, yeah, just in general, a pretty solid performance. Yeah, I'd also, I'd also put it in that roughly solid area. And to me, what took it away from being like a good performance from him was not only the sacks that you mentioned, him being under pressure a lot, but I feel like he wasn't quite as aggressive in this game. I feel like this wasn't a typical Kirk Cousins game in which you see him attack all, you know, attack downfield, really try to push, especially against a team like the Dolphins, which I felt like at this point their secondary wasn't the best in the world. Like you definitely could have attacked them. And I didn't really feel like he was doing that. Uh, he came in a little bit more tame in this game. I feel like that's why he had a lot less yards. Uh, I think a roughly 50-yard completion to Justin Jefferson, where Jefferson was wide open. It really wasn't Kirk's much of Kirk's doing. Uh, really boosts his stats in general, and I feel like outside of that, he was really conservative, just getting rid of the ball super fast. And I know the Dolphins are the type of team to – throw a lot of unique blitzes and really test the quarterbacks mentally. So maybe Kirk was just a little flustered and getting the ball out faster than he normally would. But I could tell that that affected him a little bit. He wasn't at his A game, but he still, despite getting knocked off his game, was still very accurate, did not make any mistakes, and still did enough to have his offense score relatively consistently. So for that, it's still a solid performance, but I would have liked to see more for sure. All right, moving on to the next one after the bye week against Arizona. Um, this one was okay to me. Um, he put the ball in harm's way a couple times with a fumble and an interceptable pass that weren't caught uh, or he wasn't punished for. Um, but yeah, in general, he kind of made up for it a little bit by being decently aggressive and making a few throws here and there. Um, was solidly accurate in this game. Um, so a little bit of a mixed bag, but I, I thought it ended up okay. I would say this game was a little bit below average for me uh, for a couple of those reasons that I feel like I'm a little bit harsher on you than you might be. 
I think that fumble was pretty huge, uh, as well as that interceptable or the play that should have been an interception. I think in this game, compared to a lot of his previous games, he was taking or receiving pressure a lot more than he needed to. And I don't even think it was a offensive line issue. I think he was just holding on to the ball a bit too long. Uh, even though you said he was relatively aggressive in spots, I don't think he was nearly as aggressive as he needed to be. And the reason I'm so like harsh on Kirk Cousins in that aspect of his game is because I think Kirk Cousins is at his best and significantly better than this version of Kirk Cousins, arguably one of the better quarterbacks in the league, when he is his aggressive self, when he is really pushing the ball downfield, testing the defense, because it just opens up the defense. They have to account for a lot more. And Kirk with Kirk Cousins' accuracy, when you spread the defense out, have a lot more routes going underneath, you're going to have a lot more open zones, a lot more open space. And that's when you get those monster games from a guy like Kirk Cousins. So when I see a game like this where he's a little bit less accurate, he's making mistakes, he's taking sacks when he doesn't need to, and I, I think that's all a result of him simply not being aggressive. The defense is a little bit more clogged, and it causes a performance like this. And this is against the Cardinals' defense, who were pretty bad. Even And even at this point in the year when Kyler was still playing, uh, they were still pretty bad. And I think the Vikings, even though they did score a lot of points, I thought Kirk was going to take even further advantage and have a really immaculate game in this one. And I think the rushing attack saved him a little bit in this game because they're so dominant there. It opened up stuff for Kirk a lot more. Uh, so a little below average for me. All right. Moving on to the next one against Washington. And I don't know what got into Kirk Cousins this game, but uh, he was chucking that thing deep with consistency. Um, the interception that he threw, I didn't think was his fault. Um, and he missed a number of reasonably completable passes for Kirk but man um, some of the throws that he was making under pressure and being really aggressive down the field were extremely impressive to me and I think that um, the way that he handled pressure and uh, some of his accuracy issues can be mostly excused Um, and I thought this was a very very good game overall for him Um, and he got injured in this one and came back and played through it so that was pretty impressive to me too. Yeah, this was a really weird weird game for Kirk. I think Bro f- thought he was Taylor Heineke because that's how he decided to play in this one where he was significantly less accurate than uh, he normally would be. And I don't think the box score is lying here. I think he was just a little out of sync with his receivers. But despite that, he was still attacking downfield. And even if his accuracy was a little off, I think it's because he was trying to be a little bit more aggressive and attack downfield. Maybe it was an issue he saw in those previous few weeks and was trying to correct. And maybe he overcorrected it a little bit in this game. Uh, But I still like that he was attacking deep. He connected on a couple. Uh, I think this might have been his first game with TJ Hawkinson, and he took advantage of that as well. Uh, Got deep passes to both Jefferson and Thielen going just overall getting the ball to his weapons. Even though it wasn't perfect, I think he did a much better job in this game of dealing with pressure. Uh, even though he could be a little better and has been better, it was still much better than the last couple weeks. Uh, I do think that interception was his fault. I would rotate uh, that, and that takes away from him a little bit, uh, as well as the accuracy issues. But overall, I'm giving him a solid to slightly above average performance because. A lot of those little struggles or quirks came with 
him trying to be aggressive. And like I said, that's what I want Kirk to do. So maybe it's not perfected just yet, but this is the type of Kirk I want to see. All right, moving on to the next one. So um, another very bizarre game. Um, one of the best, maybe the best of the year um, at Buffalo. And in this one, I thought that the narrative was really interesting because I didn't think he played that well. Um, his second interception, I would argue that is the worst interception of the year. Um, he just totally lost vision on a defender and just like t- totally didn't know he was there and just threw it right to him. And then he also had a few more turnover-worthy plays that he wasn't punished for with a couple of dropped interception um, and a fumble that's not going to show up in a basic box score. Um, but on the other side of the coin, he was incredibly aggressive uh, in their comeback attempt or in their comeback. And yeah. a number of these passes where there's quote-unquote windows, but there's, it, it's not really open. Uh, and he's just finding a way to fit the ball in there to Justin Jefferson. Um, specifically, I want to talk about like the back shoulder um, on the on a corner route, back shoulder corners. I don't think I've seen anyone else in the league complete those passes like Kirk and Justin Jefferson do. Um, and it was very apparent in this game with, I think, like four of them that they threw. Um, so, yeah, very aggressive in this one. But I think that the amount of turnover they plays that he had holds it back from being a good game. And I would say it was pretty solidly below average. Well, I feel a little bit differently about this game. And I don't know what the overall narrative on this game was. Maybe it was that Kirk Cousins was good. But that is what I felt. And the reason I say that is I feel like for back-to-back weeks, Kirk Cousins has decided just mirror his opponent. Like I said last week, he thought he was Taylor Heineke. I think this week he thought he was Josh Allen because that's how he played. And when I look at guys like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, when I judge their play, um, they obviously are guys that are elite, that make mistakes. But when they're able to come out and make elite high-level plays and high-level throws that dig them out of that hole that they put themselves in to the point where the team is still successful and scoring a lot of points and, you know, having those types of drives at the end of the game like Kirk did, I give them props for that. And that's why they're in my elite tier of quarterback because they have that ability. And to me, this that's what happened in this game with Kirk Cousins. Even though it's not his type of game normally, he had a Josh Allen-like performance where his accuracy dropped a little bit. His mistakes rose like two, threefold. He was taking way more pressure in sacks than this one than he normally would. But he was making plays that you almost never see out of a Kirk Cousins in a regular game because they normally don't have to do it. It This was kind of out of desperation. He had to make these really tight window throws, really contested throws, but they were still on the money, and it led to some of the best like throw and catch uh, plays we've seen all year. Justin Jefferson had the catch of the year in this game where I'd say that was more of a Jefferson play than a Kirk play. But Kirk still delivered that ball in a place where only Jefferson could get it and in really tight coverage as well. So big props to Kirk for making a lot of those throws in tight coverage, back shoulder throws where the cornerback's right there. Uh, However, those mistakes are going to take away from his overall performance. It would have been an elite performance without the mistakes. But two picks, one of which I agree was probably one of the worst in the league or worst uh, interceptions in the league this season where – He really just threw it to the guy, just simply missed him. And it was in a pretty crucial part of the game, too. Almost lost him that game. So that was pretty bad on that part. I think he lost two fumbles as well, which I don't think the team lost as a whole. 
but still just bad mistakes on his part. I think it still averages out to be a good game because of how elite those throws were, though. All right, moving on to the next one. Um, this one, inarguably bad game. Um, just yeah. a horrible disaster class, stinky performance from the offense. Um, Kirk was part of that as well. Seven sacks in this one. Not all of them on him, but a few of them are. Um, has a bad fumble in there and just has no rhythm um, at all with the offense. He's barely completing passes. Just just a disaster to watch from the standpoint of wanting to watch offense in this one. And yeah, I, I've nothing really positive to say about it. Yeah, this to me, if you take significance of the game away, this is by far his worst performance of the year. I was honestly very surprised when this happened because I genuinely thought the Vikings were a better team to this Cowboys team. And I know it was on the road on our actually, no, it wasn't even on the road. So that makes this an even more uh, terrible performance for him. But I really thought the Vikings would be able to compete in this one. And I think a big reason they weren't able to was because of Kirk Cousins and this offense getting literally nothing going against this Cowboys defense. And it's because they did play good teams this year. I mean, literally the previous week, they played a Bills team who I'd argue was much better than this Cowboys team and put up a very good performance. So I'm not sure what happened in this game, but Kirk Cousins absolutely stunk. He was under pressure all day. It felt like Micah Parsons was getting a sack every other play. And Kirk had just no no response to it whatsoever. He wasn't aggressive at all. He was becoming a checkdown merchant. And I know a lot of people like to make a checkdown Kirk kind of joke. But this completely happened in this game. He was checking it down almost every play. And even then, he seemed to be inaccurate, I think. The amount of hits he was taking, the amount of duress and pressure he was in kind of got to his head. It affected his overall play, his overall mechanics, and it just ruined his passing day as a whole. So terrible, terrible performance. Really nothing to take away from it. It's just one of those duds that some of these quarterbacks have from time to time. All right, moving on to the next one. Um, So another interesting thing to compare narrative and um, how he actually played against New England, because... The, the narrative was more like this was a fantastic performance, one of the best performances of Kirk, Kirk's career, because I think he did have a solid game in a primetime matchup, and it came with him being really aggressive downfield and making some absolutely spectacular throws. Um, one in particular I want to highlight where he fits the ball in between two defenders deep down on the left side, and Justin Jeff- Jefferson takes a big hit, um, but Kirk <coughs> protects him as best as he can, um, and it's just a fantastic play. Stuff like that are going to help the image of the performance. Um, but I thought that he had two dropped interceptions and the, another interception that he threw that was kind of bad. Um, and so um, the pressured play can really elevate the way that the people look at it. But for me, those turnover-worthy plays just make it just knock it down a decent amount. Um, and I think it was more like an above-average performance rather than a great one. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you there for the most part because – I think people overblew this performance a little bit because this is one of the first times in his career that Kirk, like you said, actually had a good performance in prime time. I think for that, people got a little bit overexcited and that's why it got hyped up. But with that being said, I still think this is a really, really good performance uh, for a couple of reasons. One being, yeah, prime time, obviously, finally was able to do something, but I think this Minnesota team is a relatively balanced offense, I'd say. 
I think in most of these games, their run game has been pretty solid. And I, in this game, Bill Pelagic completely shut down this Vikings run game. So the entirety of this offense and their success fell on Kirk Cousins, and he absolutely delivered. He was incredibly accurate in this one. I felt like he was fitting the ball all over the place in tight windows. He was getting it to his playmakers in stride, in space, all day long. Him and Jefferson once again connected for a very good game, and uh, or very good game, and he had one big throw to him as well. He was overall being very, very uh, aggressive, like we like to see out of a guy like Kirk Cousins. He was passing it deep to Jefferson as well as all over the intermediate range of the field to guys like Dylan Hawkinson, Rieger. Uh, he was spreading the ball out a little bit more than we normally see out of Kirk because of how dominant Justin Jefferson normally is. He was dominant in this one too, but Kirk was just so aggressive that he was getting it to all these guys. And aside from that interception, I really don't think he made many mistakes. Uh, he didn't deal with a whole lot of pressure in this this one. His offensive line did a good job of blocking in front of him. So he did a solid job in that respect as well. Overall, I think this is a really good performance that may not be as great as people hyped it up to be, but I don't want to take away from the performance either. I still think he was really, really good in this one. All right, moving on to the next one against the Jets. So um, against a really tough defense in this one, um, and I thought he per- he performed decently um, given the expectations uh, against this elite elite pass rush and secondary. So the accuracy and the consistency of completed passes was very down in this game for a bit. Um, and then it came roaring back for a while. Um, and he put the ball in harm's way a couple times for dropped interceptions, but um, I thought that he was reasonably good completing passes in the intermediate range and a couple of really nice explosives. Um, he was under pressure, a decent amount in this game too. Uh, and I thought only taking two sacks with the quality of pressure that the Jets were getting was uh, reasonably impressive for him as well. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty decent game. Um, but I wouldn't say it was great because of the dropped interceptions that he had. To me, I think I was, or I would say I'm a little bit more harsh on this game because I don't quite think he was decent or okay. I would say he was a little bit below average if not ba- not bad in this game but he definitely didn't show as much as I wanted to and for two key reasons one I keep bringing it up I think he was very the lack of aggressiveness in this game showed and two my biggest point is I think he really disappointed in that second half and kind of went ghost almost I think he started off making a couple of mistakes and then really got it going for most of the first half I feel like a lot of this offense's success and a lot of his completed passes came there. And then the third and fourth, he kind of teetered off. I think there's some miscommunication going on with the offense. He had a couple of missed balls here and there. I think that's when he had one or two of those interception, interceptable passes. Uh, and just overall, those two things kind of take away from all the positives he did in this game for me. Because I don't think he really got any of his playmakers involved as much as they could have because of how little he was being aggressive. Uh, I think when you have no receiver on your team above 50 yards, that kind of goes to show the quarterback was not really attempting to go deep or even in the intermediate range for the most part. Aside from one play where Jalen Rieger kind of got free deep, he didn't throw the ball more than like 20 yards downfield, it felt like. And when you do that, as well as for the most part, just teeter off in the second half, not really play well. I think that's a recipe for 
not the best performance. And I really do think they got bailed out by a very good defensive performance from the Vikings. Or I wouldn't say very good because Mike White did torch them more than he did a lot of other defenses. But they made the right plays at the right time to win them this game. And Kirk did not do that in the second half. All right, moving on to the next one um, at Detroit. And I think this one is indisputably incredible game. Um, probably one of the best performances of the year in general, like like top 50 performance of the year. Um, just absolutely incredible in this one. He was extremely aggressive, really accurate. It was just play after play of explosives down the field. Um, he had like no other game in this year other than maybe the Washington game. Um, did he have his foot on the gas pedal this much? And he was way, way more successful. Um, the accuracy was great. Just everything was great in this game, aside from taking a few sacks. Um, but I think that's going to be a byproduct of of playing under, um, playing with this type of aggression and, and taking a, a little bit pressure. Um, yeah, I was just floored by this performance. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah, you put it really well, PD. This was one of the best individual quarterback performances I watched all year. He was really, really good in this game. And this is why I'm so harsh on Kirk Cousins being aggressive in those games where he's throwing for like 150 yards in a game. Because I know when Kirk Cousins is aggressive and he's firing on all cylinders in terms of accuracy, these are the types of games we can get out of him. And if you get a couple of these a year, you're talking about a completely different Kirk Cousins. And I think he's very capable of that. But year in, year out, we don't get that. But these are one of those games that really make me confident that that's the player he can be because he was lights out, like we've said multiple times. And not only was he that good, it was in a game where his rushing attack was non-existent against a pretty bad Lions front seven. So once again, the entire offensive load fell on him and Kirk Cousins absolutely delivered. He did a great job of connecting with Justin Jefferson all game plenty of long throws all over the place it felt like Justin Jefferson was open all day and Kirk was delivering hit him right on the money wide open plenty of yak yards all day long he was accurate all day too whether it was throwing to Jefferson or Hawkinson Thielen he was accurate the entire performance I think his completion percentage was good but I think it doesn't even reflect how accurate he was not only going deep to Jefferson but also in that 20 to 30 yard range in the intermediate range where He's just getting it to his other receivers. He did a great job of that, too. The only real downside was maybe taking a couple more sacks than necessary. But when you're staying in the pocket, trying to deliver strikes downfield, that's going to happen. So it is what it is to me for the most part. He didn't put the ball in harm's way even once, uh, in my opinion. So overall, very, very good game. And I'd say he got absolutely sold in this one by his team. All right, moving on to the next one. So... Another bizarre game. The Vikings had so many of these um, the yeah. entire year. Um, but Kirk was kind of poor early on. Um, put the ball in harm's way one time, and then the other time that he put the ball in harm's way for a second interception, I didn't think was his fault. Um, Jalen Rager just quit on the route. Um, but um, through the comeback and towards the end of the game, just consistently cutting up the, the Colts' defense. Um, the Colts are obviously a bad opponent, and they shouldn't have been up the way that they were, but... Um, yeah, I thought Kirk played really well down the stretch um, towards the end of the game, was consistent and accurate late in the game to make up for um, some of the accuracy issues that he had early on. 
Um, and yeah, just, just a really, really strong performance, even with the seven sacks, which I thought a number of them were his fault. Um, again, putting his foot on the gas pedal late in the game, it really helped them lead a comeback. Um, one of the greatest in NFL history. Man, I have to acknowledge what a damn game this was. This was incredible. And it was a result of Kirk Cousins have won in one of the most bipolar performances I've seen in my life. I have no clue what happened or what got it had gotten into him coming into this game and what gotten has gotten into him in that second half, but he looked like a completely different player in both of those halves. And that's why we saw, I think, the greatest comeback of all time in terms of number of points in a single perform in a single game. I think the the Vikings broke that record as a result of that. So I don't even know how to evaluate this game because the first half he was absolutely trash. I think those two picks he threw both came then. A a number of those sacks came then. A number of the few incompletions he had in this game came then. And they got blanked by a pretty bad Colts defense at this point in the year. The whole NFL world was very confused what was happening to this Vikings team at this point. And Kirk Cousins came back in the second half and completely flipped that around. He was attacking deep because they knew they needed plenty of points, plenty of yards because of how far down they were. He was attacking deep over and over again consistently. He was hitting KJ Osborne deep for an incredible touchdown strike. That was crazy. His passes to Justin Jefferson all day were also very crazy. Dalvin Cook had a crazy gain. Just overall, Kirk was delivering it to every single weapon on the entire team. Plenty of people got to touch the ball, and each and every time, it was in stride, on the money. There weren't many situations where he had to throw somebody open or like fit a tight window because in that second half, the Colts kind of just left everyone open all over the field. But he still did a great job of delivering the ball accurately all day long. And like I said, when you get an aggressive Kirk Cousins, you get a guy who can throw like 400 yards nearly in a single half because he's just attacking and hitting players on the money. And I think it averages out to be a good performance because like I've said in the past, when you have games like this where you make a ton of mistakes, but you come back and have explosive play after explosive play to dig you out of that hole. I'm going to give props to that. And Kirk Cousins did exactly that in this one, put one of the best comebacks of, or led one of the best comebacks of all time. If he didn't have such a stinky first half, it could have been one of the greatest performances overall of all time. Uh, But unfortunately that wasn't the case, but still a good performance from him. All right, moving on to the next one. First game against the Giants. Um, This one, he was pretty solid. Um, I thought he wasn't as aggressive pushing the ball down the field as he was in the previous few weeks. Um, But that's still a way that he can win because he was pretty solidly accurate. Um, Put the ball in harm's way for one dropped interception um, that he wasn't punished for, obviously. Um, And he made a couple of explosive plays here and there. Um, Took a few sacks that I think he probably could have avoided. um, And was under pressure a pretty decent amount. So um, that's going to hurt his overall game for me. But he was he was pretty decent in this game. I'm a little bit higher on this game than you because I agree that he clearly was not aggra- as aggressive as he was in the previous two games. But realistically, that's not something that a player can sustain over the course of like many weeks. So to me, I think he was still very aggressive in this one, but it was a level of aggressiveness that we will see 
more often out of Kirk Cousins because he's not throwing for like 420 plus yards every game. That's just not realistic. So to me, in a game again where the running attack was meh, it wasn't the best. The entirety of the offensive load kind of fell upon him once again. And he was once again very, very accurate. He was still attacking all three facets of the field. Maybe not deep so much because I think that Giants secondary is solid and kind of cut off deep plays. But he was very good in the intermediate range. Very good at getting the ball out in the short range to guys who could get even more yards uh, in yak. Uh, he didn't really make any mistakes here in my, on my, in my opinion. And I do think he was under pressure a lot, took a lot of sacks, but... Watching this game, it was because his offensive line was getting cooked by the Giants D-linemen, who at this point in the year were playing very, very well. So I'd say a pretty mistake-free game where he uh, was able to put up very good offense in a fourth quarter where he really came out and showed that they're never out of any game because he can just put together a couple of incredible drives bring this team back and win them this game. I think he started off a little weak, but seeing that second half really put me over the edge to saying this was a good game. All right, moving on to the next game um, against Green Bay. And this one was reasonably stinky. Um, Put the ball in harm's way a couple of times. Um, One interception that I think wasn't his fault, but then he also has like a disgusting fumble. Um, He was under pressure um a decent amount in this game um before getting pulled um and yeah i thought he could have played a lot better from an accuracy standpoint from an everything standpoint basically Uh, he does have a couple or one explosive play to try to make up for it um and a few plays here and there where he's good in the short and intermediate range um but yeah it's it's not enough to make up for it being uh, a solidly uh mediocre to below average performance to me yeah, I think this is the beginning of a stretch in Cousin season where I felt like he wasn't as good as he was, especially these previous few games where I was really raving about his performances. And this was probably the worst of the three. I think this is objectively just a bad game. And it once again ties down to the uh, ties back to the same issues we've seen with Kirk Cousins all year when he has bad games. It's making mistakes and not being aggressive and the key being him not being aggressive and it just shuts everything else off for him because for whatever reason I feel like he came out in this game and aside from one kind of fluky deep touchdown to Jalen Naylor I believe his name is which normally doesn't happen he was not attacking downfield whatsoever I think early in the game he they came out and really struggled because Kirk's accuracy was nowhere near it normally is, and their run game wasn't really working. So they really had nothing going on offensively, and they were just consistently having to punt and give the ball back to the Packers, and that's when they were able to run up the score. And then at that point, I feel like the Vikings kind of were forced to do more than they wanted to, do more than a normal Kirk Cousins offense would go. And It is a little interesting that was the case, especially because of how they came back in the previous few weeks. But it kind of goes to show that with Kirk Cousins, that's I guess, isn't a sustainable thing. He can't week in and week out come back and make these 
insane plays to bring you back out of a deep hole. Because in this game, he's made those mistakes that he had in those other games, but he didn't make the incredible plays to back himself and kind of bring them back in this game. Uh, I think three those three picks, all I felt like were his fault, were really detrimental to their first half and just overall game. I think he was under pressure a lot more than he should have been in this game uh, and a lot more than in previous games. And the 205-yard mark, I think, is very representative representative of how uh, uh, inaggressive he was. And he wasn't getting his ball, the ball enough to his playmakers like Thielen, Jefferson, Hawkinson, Cook. And when you don't get it to those guys, you're just not going to have a successful offense. So pretty poor performance. All right, moving on to the next half of the game um, against Chicago. Um, he plays just the first half, was extremely good, um, made a couple of explosive plays, was really, really accurate, um, took zero sacks, wasn't really under pressure that much uh, because at this point the Bears were just tanking. But, um, yeah, I was very impressed with this half, even considering the competition. Yeah, to me, this game I can't really extract much from because I agreed that he was pretty incredible. He did exactly what he needed to do. Very accurate, attacked all facets of the field, even deep with the deep to pass to KJ Osborne, who was really lighting up this Bears defense and uh, got a lot of yards for a single half. But I would say overall, it's kind of tough to really take this game into account because the Bears were clearly tanking. Uh, Justin Fields wasn't playing, I believe, due to injury. And when you have a Nathan Peterman-led offense with a lot of backups in defensively, I mean, it's going to end up being a good performance. Uh, and that's why I just can't take much from it. Yeah, Cousins was good. He did exactly what he needed to. No mistakes. But I don't read too much into it because of the situation. All right, moving on to the final game of the season for Cousins. And this is the playoff game against the Giants. Um, and I think there's a lot of mixed opinions on this game. Um, mm-hmm. Some people thinking that it was a stinker um, because of the way it ended. Uh, but for me, this was a pretty good game. Um, I thought he was very, very accurate getting the ball to his receivers in uh, short intermediate range. Um, and I thought the fact that he took zero sacks with the amount of pressure that he was under was reasonably impressive. Um, the last play of the game, obviously, like he has to push the ball beyond the uh, beyond the first down marker um, or put uh, the ball on the money to Hawkinson to end earlier to where he can turn up field and, and get a first down. But um, yeah, beyond that play, I didn't think he was particularly bad at any point in the game. So it's tough for me to say it's a bad game. I, I end up thinking he was pretty good. Yeah, I remember like social media blew up when this game ended because the Vikings were obviously pretty solid favorites coming into this. No one really expected much of the Giants, but people didn't expect much of the Vikings either. So it was a close game, but some a game that the Vikings definitely should have won. They were the better team. And this was really huge for the narrative like, oh, does Kirk Cousins show up in big games? Because as far as the playoffs go, there's been plenty, plenty of examples of him not showing up. And I think that's why there was such a wide variety of opinions on his game. And I'm not going to be one of those people that said he had a stinker. It was far from it. But I think he had a very, very good game, absolutely ruined by not only his final drive, but his final two drives. I think aside from the final two drives, if we talk about the rest of his game, he was incredibly accurate. 
He was getting the ball to all his playmakers, aside from maybe Justin Jefferson a little bit, but he made up for it by having an incredible connection with TJ Hawkinson. The Giants were not able to stop his like dink and dunk kind of game in the in- intermediate range where he was just finding people open, wide open, in open spaces, finding little cuts in the zone where the Giants weren't really protecting. And the Giants really did everything they could to send him a lot of looks, a lot of blitzes that would throw him off his game a bit, but he was not under pressure all game. It felt like, cause he was just getting the ball out when he needed to. Uh, I'm not going to fault him for not being aggressive because I felt like they're blitzing a lot. And that's why he was just getting the ball out quick. I think he was doing a good job in that sense, actually. And he didn't make any uh, mistakes in terms of interceptions. He didn't take any sacks. I think Overall, those everything he did up till those last two drives was very, very good. And I do want to acknowledge that. But to me, the most important part of his, this game, maybe one of the most important quarters of his life, he 100% folded. And that's why his performance is going to be a little bit worse than it should have been for me. In that second to last drive, I believe they just go three and out. And a couple of those plays was him just simply missing his target he just overthrew them threw it in the dirt another play and then they had another just bad play call overall just it didn't go well whatsoever and that last play obviously he had a couple of good throws but in the most important part of the game where he needs to get it to the first down marker on a fourth and eight he just doesn't do it even the play before on the third and eight where I felt like they should have at least gotten closer to the uh, uh, the line to gain so that it wasn't a uh, fourth and long. He just threw it incomplete, which he really can't do in that situation. And then obviously the final play of the game, you just there's we nobody has any idea what he's thinking. Throw the ball only three yards downfield, where into a player who wasn't didn't have a ton of space around him, he would have had to break a tackle or two to get to the line to gain. It seemed like in those last two drives, Kirk got nervous and he made very uncharacteristic plays. He made he just threw checkdowns instead of being his normal aggressive self, instead of being the Kirk Cousins that killed the Giants in the intermediate range literally this entire game. And he just decided out of nowhere, I'm going to be a lot more timid, a lot more conservative and kind of sell them this game, to be completely honest. And I'm not going to put the game on Kirk Cousins, I think. He was by far not the most uh, not the most important factor in them winning. There was a lot of other people who did a lot worse job in them losing. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you expect your quarterback in that situation, especially someone as revered and as high paid as Kirk Cousins, to kind of come into that situation and just win them that game down the stretch. That's why Kirk Cousins has been brought in. That's why we put him in this tier, uh, and he just didn't do that. And maybe the moment got to him, maybe he just made a couple of bad plays. I don't know what it was, but overall it was disappointing. And to me it's still a good game, but definitely a big, big black mark on his performance because of those last two drives. Yeah, I think that um, as we get into the team and scheme stuff here, um, it's also a reflection of the way that the Vikings are structured. Um, The Vikings were very, very... Jefferson or bust, I think, at receiver. Um, with the quality of receivers like Jalen Rager and like Adam Thielen being very, very declined from what he used to be. Um, I think after they got Hawkinson, that was another reliable weapon, so he started going to him a lot more. Um, 
And why don't we transition into um, the team in this game um, just with that. Um, and with the addition of Jordan Addison, who I think is a very good player, um, and continued development from KJ Osborne, um, now making him a solid three um, rather than kind of competing with Adam Thielen for who is the second best receiver. I, I do think Adam Thielen was was that washed at that point. Um, plus TJ Hawkinson working the underneath and intermediate areas of the field. I think this, this receiving court has a chance to be really, really good. Um, and even some of the bench pieces with Jalen Rager being just an occasional deep threat rather than someone they might have to rely on to stretch defenses. Um, and then um, beyond that, like um, their offensive line um, continuing to take steps forward um, as, as young players. I think this has a chance to be one of the best supporting cast that Kirk has played with in the past few, three, maybe three, four years, ever since that 2019 team where they were really, really stacked on offense. I think this has a chance to be their best supporting cast since then. Um, and in terms of the scheme, um, I think that without Dalvin Cook, um, they can kind of rely on running back by committee. Um, I still think that they will rely on the run game to be um, something of a setup for their play-action game. Um, and I think it's interesting that they added a receiver this offseason because it might be more of a pivot to more a gun-based approach um, than they even had last year. Um, and Cousins has always been one of the more versatile players in terms of being able to play from under center or gun. So it should be interesting to see what direction they go. Um, yeah, anything that you want to add to what I said there? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said about their offense as a whole because I do like a lot of the additions they made or even in some cases addition by subtraction that they made in this offseason to – Really, not necessarily build around Kirk because I feel like they've already have have done that and they had that game plan already implemented, but improve the situation even more from him, for him. I think as far as the RB room goes, uh, maybe it's not necessarily a Kirk Cousins thing, but I think it's best for the team to let go at Dalvin Cook being given his age, injury history, and the amount they were going to have to pay him. And Alexander Madison has been pretty good in spots for a very long time in fact when he has come in and played in in place of Dalvin Cook there hasn't even been that big of a gap so I think them moving on to Alexander Madison being the primary back is a, a pretty uh pretty big uh change and a pr- pretty positive improvement in my opinion uh, and one of those cases where I'm saying yeah addition by subtraction a little bit the only concern I have for the RB room is Madison has always been a spot back and going from that to being a three down guy. Cause right now in that room, I don't really see much depth. I would have liked for them to pick up another running back who we know can take a high volume from Madison and not overwork him, but we'll see how they, how they even play. Cause like PD said, if they try to go to a little bit more pass heavy offense and go away from, the amount they ran the ball with Dalvin Cook, maybe it doesn't matter them not having a second running back. And I think the receiver room is going to be a lot better than it has been in recent years. I think Jordan Addison's next year is going to be better than most versions of Thielen that Cousins played with. I'm pretty high on him as a receiver. I think he's a great two to a guy like Justin Jefferson, who's obviously arguably the best receiver in the league. Uh, KJ Osborne also really put things together towards the end of last season and I think he's going to be great as a three. Uh, TJ Hawkinson obviously we talked about they got him midseason 
I think him and Kirk Cousins actually really gel well because TJ Hawkinson was always the type of guy who can use his size to get open in the middle of the field. And that I feel like sometimes Kirk Cousins struggles with hitting that easy pass in the middle of the field because he never had a weapon that was elite vertically and in the middle of the field, as well as someone who can also just beat you quick on like an out, beat a linebacker quick on like an out route, a little in something just to get the ball out of Kirk's hands when he has one of those games where they're blitzing him a lot and he's a little out of whack just to get the ball out of his hands. I think that's going to be huge for, t- uh, for them to have. I'm still a little bit skeptical about the O-line. I think it could be better, but I think for a guy like Kirk Cousins, who obviously we've said has been pretty solid with pocket presence, uh, even though he's not athletic, he, in a lot of games, has been able to scave off pressure. I think they're going to be good enough for him, uh, but it could definitely still be a little bit better. He still has a lot of games, as we saw in this season, where he takes a lot of sacks, even like six, seven in a single game, which is insane. And as much as I do blame Kirk for a little bit for it, that's always going to come down primary to the offensive line. And I don't think they made enough changes to improve this offensive line to the point where I'm confident in them. Uh, but like we said about Kirk, I think even though this offense is much improved from last year's and I think will help him even more, I think his issues at the end of the day, and I think we'll talk about it as we get into team and scheme, is something from within. I think it's the mistakes he's making on his own. And even with this uh, roster around him, I don't see like a person or a set of personnel they could go to when Kirk is struggling under pressure that's going to help them just bring them out of it. I don't think they have that sort of playmaker. Because even, even with Justin Jefferson, we've seen in the last year or two that Kirk can fold in those big games. So I don't know if they've done enough to limit that because I do think that's just an issue with Kirk Cousins that you're not going to change. Yeah, I think uh, adding a player who can beat inside leverage is, is a big add there. But um, uh, let's look at um, uh, Kirk Cousins' uh, outcome projections for this year. Um, so at his 50th percentile outcome, I think Kirk is something like the 10th best quarterback in the league. I think that consistently he he will be accurate. Um, and he will have great touch, some of the best in the league, um, and an understanding of how to layer throws in general. Um, it's just, um, as I get into more higher-end outcomes here, um, I'm not sure if what we saw last year in terms of dealing with pressure and being really aggressive when that when those types of situations arise, I'm not sure if that's something stable to look for. And if it is, we could see some more 75th percentile, 100th percentile outcomes, where at a 75th percentile outcome, I think he's like seventh to eighth best quarterback in the league. Um, I think that he has really, really high upside. If he continues to be the playmaker that he was at his highest points of that last year, and he continues to um, fit with the scheme really well. Um, and then at his hundredth percentile outcome, hundredth percentile outcome, um, he finally makes the leap that I I've been saying that he has potential to do for years and years and becomes like the fifth to sixth best quarterback in the league. Um, and is just extremely efficient, um, has has moments of extreme aggression, and limits the number of really bad games that he has. Um, 
so it, it just kind of depends on what sample you look at um, for how good that he could be next year. Um, but yeah, 50th percentile outcome, 50th percentile outcome. I still think he's like a fringe top 10 guy. Um, and then at the 25th and 0th percentile outcomes, 25th, um, what we see, what we saw um, early on last year comes back to haunt him again. Um, and some of the ugly moments under pressure show themselves. Um, I think that that would look more like the 16th-ish best quarterback. Um, and then at like the lower outcomes, the 25th percentile, um, and zero percent I like, we have to start considering his age. So maybe hits a hard wall and he's like the 20th best quarterback in the league. So those are like, those are the outcomes that I can see at each of the 25 percentiles. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think you're going to have to keep dreaming with that, him taking that final leap into what you think of him. Cause I think a lot of people have been wait- waiting on that Kirk Cousins leap and it's yet to happen. And it may- might be past that point. Uh, but getting to where I put him in terms of rankings, uh, I say this all the time with quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins who are at this point proven. And I started off this episode saying like for years now, whether he was in Washington or even his time with Minnesota, he's kind of been the same level of player for a long time. He's proven himself to be a very, very good quarterback for a long time, but just shy of that elite tier because of few games here and there like we saw just now in that previous season he's been a really good quarterback for a long time and for that reason I think I can kind of tell where he's gonna be as an older player who we've seen for a long time it's just it's just how it goes and for me I think in the 50th percentile he's gonna be similar to where he was last year where he's just outside that top 10 marker and in that like 11 the 13 14 just fringe quarterback range where you're not quite someone people consider elite and week in week out dominant but at the same time he's definitely no slouch he's gonna come in and have performances like that Colts game where he throws for 460 yards or that other game where he threw for 425 yards he's gonna have a couple of the those games where he comes in very aggressive and just torches defenses but I still think he's gonna have a couple of those dud performances where he just comes out and throws like three interceptions or five turnover has five turnover worthy plays and you're confused where Kirk Cousins went. I think his inconsistency from a week to week basis is something that we kind of just have to identify as a Kirk Cousins thing at this point. We know it's going to happen. We even know to a certain extent which games it's going to happen because it always happens against either slightly better defenses or just the big games. Even in this last season, aside from that one Patriots game, which I'd argue was the worst competition of all of his uh, primetime games. Every primetime game last season, he pretty much shit the bed. He did not perform well. And I think those kind of hindrances are always going to keep him away from that elite tier in that top 10. And that's why in the median level outcome, I'd put him around there. And I guess in the low end outcome, I'd put him roughly in that 16 to 20 range because... I could see a world where, like you said, his age could catch up to him a bit. I don't necessarily see his team letting him down. So I think him going to that level is kind of unlikely. But he is getting to that point in age where I think he's going to be 35 next year. 35 to 36 is around where quarterbacks start just falling off a cliff to a certain extent. And maybe him already being not the most athletic guy, not the most mobile guy, not even the best footwork in the world, I'd say, at this point in his career. Uh, 
I think if he starts to struggle a little bit with that, maybe even picks up an injury or two, I could see him maybe make even more mistakes. The biggest thing might be him taking more sacks, dealing with even more pressure. And we see how when he's not aggressive, when he's making mistakes and kind of just taking a lot of sacks, we can see how things start to spiral for him and become a a bad game here and there or even a string of bad games. And if that string continues, I could see him fall to that range. And his high-level outcome, to me, is not much higher than his median-level outcome because I just don't see him performing or having that big of a leap because he is as old as he is. He's not really going to improve much. I don't think their offense has improved so much to the extent where he'd have a huge leap. And for that reason, I think his higher end outcome is going to be somewhere in that 7 to 10 range. Maybe he sneaks into that top 10 if he has a couple more of those monster performances where he's super aggressive. I mean, obviously, you expect Justin Jefferson to be really good, TJ Hawkinson to be really good, and even a lot of people expect Jordan Addison to be really good. So if those guys get open, he has a lot of monster games. I could see him sneak into that top 10 range and be just outside of that super elite exclusive tier because that top six I just think that's something Kirk cannot break and I think that's kind of past what he can do at this point in his career yeah it's interesting to think about like the reason that I'm saying that the outcome range is is very wide for him compared to what it would be in years past is because of the way that he changed the way he plays under pressure where in previous years when he was under pressure he would mostly look for the check down, but now he's kind of looking to take a hit and still deliver a big play. And so um, what you touched on there with the injuries is something to think about because I know he played through like a a pretty bad rib injury. Um, They discussed it on the, on the quarterback series and um, he left the game during Washington and his accuracy um, in that game. And in a couple of weeks after was a little bit hampered. Um, So I think that for him, something like a hand injury would hurt him a lot because he is reliant on uh, ball control, putting the ball exactly where he wants to, that that type of athleticism where um, it's more of like a hand-eye coordination and um, like his grip on the ball really, really matters for him. Um, so that's the one way I think injuries could hurt him a lot at his age. Um, but other than that, like he's, he's maybe the most consistent quarterback in terms of not missing time. So um, I don't know if he will ever actually end up um, being injured and – when we end up putting the list together and, and figuring out when this podcast goes podcast goes out, um, he he probably will end up in a, in a higher ranking um, in terms of the Vikings quarterback room because we don't have an expectation for him to miss games. That's just not like something that he's right. shown in the past. Um, so yeah, um, add on to anything that you want that I said there, or that'll be the end of it. Yeah, I do want to clarify because I also agree that I don't really expect an injury out of Kirk Cousins, even with his high age and whatnot, because, yeah, like you said, he's been one of the most consistent in the league in terms of actually playing, being very healthy. When I say injuries, I mean more like that rib injury where he just picks up a little smaller injury here and there, which holds him back a little bit. And that's why it's in my lower lower end outcome, because I think on average, he's not going to pick up those injuries or to the extent where it's hindering his play. I just don't expect that to happen. And that's why his median level outcome is where it is for me. But I'd say the only real way he gets that low level outcome is 
A, either the injuries pile up a little bit uh, in terms of the little nicks and bruises he gets and that hurts him overall, or he just continuously is not as aggressive as he should be, in which we see in games here and there in all of his seasons pretty much as a quarterback. We see games here and there where he's not as aggressive as he should be, and that's where he plays poorly. If he does that a few more games, then maybe even this season I could see him falling. And then the other way would be injuries. So to clarify, that's what I meant by injuries, because I I do want to acknowledge how elite he is at staying healthy. And one thing you mentioned before that I, that I want to touch on as well is he talked about how he dealt with pressure and how early in his career he took checkdowns, and now he's staying in the pocket, maybe taking a hit and delivering a strike, whether it's downfield or even still in the intermediate range, just looking for more. Uh, and I guess that's why he has had some of those incredible games because he was not having that earlier in his career. And I think it's because he's getting more and more aggressive now. But I do want to acknowledge that there's a little bit of a downside to that because I think he's taken way more pressure, dealing way more pressure, and like taken way more sacks as a result of kind of changing that play style in his game. And I think that has also hindered their offense a lot because – yeah, he is sticking in the pocket and stuff, but when you're doing that, you want a guy who can avoid sacks, who can maybe run out of the pocket when necessary, somebody who can kind of deal with those situations and make a play out of nothing where when it gets to a clogged pocket and he just has to stand in there. And I do like his pocket awareness, but him standing in there has led to a lot more sacks, a lot more ruined drives because of sacks a lot more holding penalties, which the Vikings struggled with a lot last year. I think him holding the ball a little bit longer does have, I guess, some positives, but I think that's why we're seeing so much up and down play for him. And that's why I made that point about him, you know, struggling with that a little bit. I think even though there is some aspects where that has given him positives, I think there's a lot of negatives and it may even outweigh the positives in him, you know, the way he's changed dealing with blitzes. Yeah, so all good points that you made there. It does lead to more high variance play. Um, but w- what I'm thinking is, is is this like high variance play that ends up in the aggregate being above average versus what he was uh, previously, which is by default average because he wasn't looking for those um, big plays under pressure. Um, that's the first thing. And then the second thing that gives the range of outcomes um, more credence, in my opinion, is that um, as the year went on, he got in better better rhythm with play action game um, and the way that the offense was schemed up versus at the beginning of the year, it was a little, he wasn't really on the same page with his receivers as consistently. Um, so those are the two elements that I'm thinking of that gave him a high, high range of outcomes. But um, yeah, all the points that you made about pressure play being inconsistent are, are still very true. Yeah. And that second point you mentioned, I do agree completely with that. I think this kind of style of play definitely leads him to get better as the season goes on, which we saw uh, with the season last year. But even towards the end of the season, we did see games like that Packers game where he put up a dud. And I feel like even though he is getting more and more in rhythm with his receivers as the game goes on, the way he's playing now, it still results in duds here and there. And most importantly, in that Giants playoff game, in that drive where they needed him most, I still feel like he folded. And I think part of that was, yeah, the moment was getting it to him a bit, but 
the Giants were throwing pressure at him all game, and it didn't seem to affect him all game. I feel he took no sacks, and he wasn't really under pressure most of the game. But I feel like that end, the reason he ended up struggling was because they brought blitzes to him that he wasn't really expecting or wasn't comfortable with, and they ended up, he had to get, especially that last play of the game, he had to get the ball out fast because they were blitzing him. He was about to get hit. He had to do something, and that's why he got the ball out so quick. And I think, in general, he still need to, needs to take steps to get better at dealing with the blitz overall in his game because if he was at that point, I think we see a different result in that Giants game. I think we see a different result in a lot of the other games, big games he has, even like that Cowboys game, that Eagles game. I think when it really comes down to it, I still don't trust him to be able to do that. And I do agree with your first point that he went from a roughly average quarterback consistently in Washington to now in Minnesota. He's been consistently above average. But I think that also has to do with just him maturing as a quarterback, getting more accurate. At this point, breaking down defense seems like defenses seems like second nature to him. I think it's more that than him getting better at handling blitz, like handling blitzes, because clearly we saw in many, many big moments last year where he folded in those situations. And until he does that in those big situations, I can't say he's truly adapted to getting to a style which really fits him and really makes him play at his best. All right. Um, Do you want to talk about Nick Mullins? Nick Mullins. Just we, can, in, we could go into him a little bit, former Niner right there. All right. Um, his his range is firmly in the backups. Um, if he's has a high-end outcome, he's more of like a high-end backup. But median outcome, I think he's like a mid- to low-level backup. And low-end outcome, he's more like a third stringer. Very much a guy who will take what the system gives him, um, but is like very error-prone in, in processing and stuff like that. Um, but he can deliver the ball reasonably accurately. So um, interesting player, but um, I don't I don't have the highest regard for him. Yeah, I also have him as a low-end backup in his median-level range. Uh, Someone who saw him on the Niners. He's one of those people who, like you said, very mistake-prone and does not have any of the tools to get you out of the hole like a Kirk Cousins does when he makes those mistakes, and I'd argue he makes even more mistakes. He's not exactly the biggest athlete either. He's one of those quarterbacks who kind of survives on he does the little things right, and he's got that dog in him, which a lot of... NFL fans and even to some extent the NFL teams and stuff seem to like and I guess he does have that factor in him but overall not the best quarterback in the world that's why he's a low-end backup for me I guess if he plays a little bit more and gets him a little bit of rhythm if Kirk Cousins magically misses time for the first time in years uh, maybe he gets to that middle backup range but I don't see him going much farther than that and in the low end, I could see him, if he plays in spots and plays bad, fall into the third string range. And someone like Jaron Hall, I think we said last week, their third string, was, or last episode, that there was a third string that we weren't really familiar with. I'll say that once again with a guy like Jaron Hall. I'm very, very unfamiliar with the way he plays. Uh, so I'll just say he's a solid third stringer. All right, that will be all from us for this episode. Uh, if you like the episode, make sure to like, leave a rating, do what you need to do on whatever platform that you're listening on. And make sure to follow our podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at PD34 underscore and at Real RealRahulPotty2. Um, that'll be all from me. That'll be all from Potty. We'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Yep, peace out.